We are in a series entitled DC, Discovering Christ, Discovering Christ. And today, I want you to grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, and we're going to explore what Jesus said to the disciples when he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Uh, I want to welcome a, a friend of ours, a family that's a friend of ours that's visiting with us today. You might have wondered who the wonderful lady was that was helping us in worship this morning. Her name's Cherie. She's right down here in the front. And her wonderful family, Tim, and her two twin boys are with us today. Uh, they were one of our, they were, Cherie was one of our worship leaders in Illinois, and they're visiting Orlando this weekend. They're a, a military family, and they're on their way being transferred from Texas to Georgia. And so they stopped through for the weekend. So would you just welcome them as a part of the house this morning? We love you. Amen. We love you guys very much. Amen. And Cherie, you're just so anointed and such a blessing to have with us today. Thank you. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. Are you there? John chapter 14, verse 6. Let's look at it. Jesus speaking. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip, one of the disciples, said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Would you please underline that in your Bibles? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? The Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but they're my Father who lives in me. He does the work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. I want to bring this to all of our attention because this is a discipleship series. And my desire is that you understand Christ, that you have a value for Christ, but then you can communicate him to others. You can communicate him to your neighbors. You can communicate him to those that God will use you to bring to Jesus. Amen? Because disciples make more disciples. And this in particular passage reveals something to us about Jesus that I think sometimes is so simple like Jesus even said here, have you been with me so long that you don't realize this? Something so simple, but yet so profound. And that is, in seeing Jesus, in observing Jesus in his actions, observing his love, observing his character, hearing the words coming out of his mouth, that he is revealing the Father to us. He is revealing God to us. That's important. How do we get to know God? How, you know, because you can't, you can't have relationship if you don't get to know him, if you don't know him. Do you understand that? And so as you know someone, you can appreciate them. You know how to engage with them. You know how to interact with them. And in steps Jesus. So that God moves from some like theology or some spirit, some like, you know, ambiguous idea into very knowable into very understandable. We, we have seen him. We can now perceive him. We can now have a relationship with him. And I think all that's important because, again, remember, God was the one that decided to come to the earth in the form of man 
in the person of Jesus Christ. So this is God making the initiative to saying, this is how much I want you to know me. Your God wants you to know him. Not just serve him, not just obey him. This is not just another religion to where you just behave. God desires relationship. He even uses the language father so that you can use the language child, son, daughter. Isn't that wonderful? It's not just supreme ruler. Last week I talked about him being king of kings, and I think that's important because we need to understand how magnificent he is, how powerful he is, that he holds the universe in his hands. But yet when he really talks to us, he starts talking to us as children of God. And he talks to you about calling him father, even when the Lord taught us to pray. When Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our father. It's important to God that you understand him. It's important to God that you feel freedom to come to him. It's important to God that you feel like you can have relationship with him. And so even this whole concept of Jesus coming in the flesh, we know he came to die on a cross, which is good. But one of the reasons Jesus came was so that we could know the Father. It wasn't just a spiritual transaction where our sins had to be paid. That's part of it. That's huge. 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 You can't, you can't deny how big that is. But let's not forget in discovering Christ, one of the other reasons God put on flesh was so we could see him. Was so we could touch him. Was so that we're not guessing who our God is. We're not wondering who our God is. Our God has come. And we have beheld him. And we have seen him. And we've heard his voice. And we've seen his character. And we've seen how he interacts with different varieties of people in different situations. Why? So we could know him. So we won't be double-minded, so we won't be fearful, so we won't be guessing, so we won't be uninformed, but so that we can know God, so that we can know God through seeing Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That's a good amen spot. Amen. I came to enjoy the word this morning. How about you? Amen. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. They're not separate. Amen. Sometimes people have this idea that God is like, again, this big mystery up here, and yet Jesus is over here somewhere, and he's likable, he's lovable, but yet there's still this intimidation about God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. How will God respond to you? The way Jesus responded to people in that New Testament, which is where we're going today. Open your Bibles real quick to the book of Colossians as we continue to lay a foundation on this. Colossians chapter 1. This is in the New Testament. Continue to go into your New Testament. If you're new to your Bibles, we have free Bibles always provided for you in the sanctuary, and we have notebooks for you. Colossians chapter 1. It's in the New Testament, the book of Colossians. You can find it in your table of contents and go to your page number. But Colossians chapter 1. I want you to see in verses 15 through 23, the same concept but a little bit bigger. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Come on, somebody. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. This is the New Living Translation. He, Christ, existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. This sounds a little bit like we talked last week about him being king of kings, right? Too many times we bring Jesus down to just this prophet or just a teacher or just savior. But how many of you know he's not just savior, he's Lord. 
And he's king of the universe. Amen. All the universes. <laughs> Creator of all things. This is who you ask into your life. This is who's leading and guiding you. This is who your good shepherd is. It's amazing. We have all these illustrations of Jesus like as a good shepherd, but we have a hard time with all of it coming together at one time in our mind. It's like we think of him as this meek shepherd, but just because he's functioning as shepherd doesn't take him from his throne on the universe. Amen? So he's a shepherd, but he's like king of the universe shepherd. He's like serious shepherd, you know. Same thing as father. Just because you talk to him as father, he doesn't lose his kingship, right? All these different kind of words all come together. For God created everything through him in the heavenly realm and on the earth. He made the things we can see. This is all talking about Christ. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Do you realize Jesus made all those things? Christ made all those things? Everything was created through Christ, through him, and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who arise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. There it is again. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The very first verse I read here in verse 15 was Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Just say amen. 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 I feel like we got to get you awake a little bit here this morning. You're going to get a Slim Jim after this. And if that doesn't get you going. Now, what I'm about to say isn't so much about the illustration about if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, but I can't stop reading because of what we're about to read, and I just love the Bible this much. Can we just read a little bit more? Is that okay? Just watch this. So it said, He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Verse 21, this includes you. Don't you love that? Who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Don't you love the past tense? You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, say now. now. Yeah. Now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy. I felt that when I said that. You are holy because of what he has done. And blameless. What? You are holy and blameless. You know, I'm going to speak just to the men. This is not my message. Well, it is now. There is so much shame and guilt that falls upon the shoulders of a man because you make mistakes. But my friend, we all make mistakes. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. This is why we're so grateful for our Savior. Amen. And here in this verse, for some reason, God on this Father's Day has brought you to church to hear a word. And this word is you are holy. 
and you are blameless if you've committed your life to Christ. Stop beating yourself up for all the things that you did. Stop carrying the weight of all the regrets. And would you today accept God's grace and accept God's, you know, relationship that he's offering you this morning? He brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a fault. Without a fault. We're really good at finding fault with ourselves. And we make all these excuses of why we don't belong in God's presence or why we don't fit here. And yet God has made all of this possible he loves you. He is your father. Maybe you've fallen off the bike and God's trying to pick you up, dust off those skinned up knees today and to put you back on that bike. Amen? But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Wow, there's a warning there. It's because the Bible is very accurate telling you that you're going to be tempted to not believe that you're holy. You're going to be tempted to not believe that you're faultless. You're going to be tempted to believe the the condemnation of the enemy or the condemnation of your own conscience, the condemnation um, just from the world around you. This truth, it says, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you have received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So I encourage you this morning, please receive that grace. Please receive that mercy. Please let God heal those places of your heart. We're not sitting here saying, you know, you know, go just sin however you want. But you know what? That's not what a lot of these guys are saying. They're not sitting here saying, oh, I want to go sin all the time. So we get so weirded out with the grace message sometimes because we feel like we're giving people license to sin. Listen to me. People sin without a license. They don't even have learner's permits and they're out there sinning. But it's really important. I don't know why I can't get off this. I got so much to preach to you this morning. I've got like half the Bible to share with you this morning. But I'm telling you, this thing about your father is trying to pull the guilt and the shame. Just keep walking towards him. Just keep running to him. Don't let your titles, think about titles. PhD, CEO, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Don't let it block you. You're a child of God. You're a child of God, and that's a, that's a blessing. That's an honor. You may say, well, I'm 90 years old. Well, God is older. And I'm telling you, you crawl up on his lap and say, God, I need help figuring this out, even your behavior. God, I need help figuring this out. I keep sinning in this area. I keep feeling this area. And the devil just, he's beating you up on this thing. And God will help you figure this thing out. Just don't run away from him. Don't do what Adam did in the garden when he sinned and he ran and hid himself from God. You run straight towards him. You run straight towards him. Say, Daddy, I messed up again. I made a mess of it again. And he will not throw you out. He will not sit there and say, oh, again, I'm sick of working with you. He says, I am so glad you trust me enough to keep coming back. We're going to get victory over this area. Keep coming. You are holy to me. You are blameless to me. I paid on, I paid the, I shed my blood so that you could keep coming. If you've seen me, let me get back into this sermon. 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I think that's kind of the lesson today. If I don't get through this, God bless it. But listen, if we have this concept that Jesus is like for us and he's wanting us to be forgiven and he died on a cross. If you've seen Jesus, that's the Father's heart on that cross. That's the Father in flesh on that cross. That is the God that the devil tries to tell you is angry and mad and is done with you. If he was done with you, he wouldn't have come in the flesh and been humiliated and beaten and he could have called angels, but he restrained himself, amen? And he did that for your sin and my sin. He did that for your victory. That is the Father's heart on that cross. That is God himself on that cross, letting himself be whipped and beaten. Why? So you could be healed. So you could be delivered. So you could be forgiven. So you could have sonship and daughtership. If you look in the Greek, it's there. God wants us to know him. John chapter 1, verse 18, from the Amplified Classic version. Sometimes you just got to pull out the classic. Amplified plastic, classic version. John chapter 1, verse 18. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God who is in the bosom, in the intimate presence of the Father, he has declared him. He has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him. He has made him known. Do you see what Jesus came to do? No one has ever seen God at any time. In steps the only unique son, the only begotten of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, in intimate presence of the Father. Jesus has declared that God that no one has seen. Do you see this? No one has seen God at any time. But Jesus came to declare him. He came to reveal him. He brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted, I think this is important, so that people don't make up their own interpretations of who God is. Doesn't leave it up to our opinions or how we feel or other people's ideas. God said, this is who I am. I will walk the earth and show you who I am. So you don't have to wonder. He has interpreted him. He has made him known. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 18 through 19, just write it down. This is just a daddy verse. This is just for all us daddies out there. And it relates to everybody, but I think about our children, our grandchildren, or even your spiritual children, when they look at you one day and they say, teach me about God. Teach me about God. Who, what's God like? How do you do that? You know, how are you going to do that? It's, it's such a massive topic. Daddy, what is God like? Daddy, can you teach me about God? Can you show me about God? That's what happened with Abraham, Genesis 18, 19, 18, 18 through 19. God said this, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. For I know him, this is what God said in verse 19, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken. One of the reasons God chose Abraham to make covenant with him was because he said, I know him. And he's the kind of guy that's going to teach his children and grandchildren about me. This is important 
that we know how to pass on these truths to our kids and our grandkids and our spiritual children. Amen? So how are we going to do it? One of the best ways you can teach your children about who God is, is teach them about Christ. Think about it. To a child, Jesus, God with flesh on. It's not just theology. Like, how do I relate to this God of the universe? Let's look at Jesus, son. Let's look at Jesus, grandkids. And let's make sure we're drawing the connection that Jesus is showing us the Father. Jesus is showing us God. Amen? So let's look at some of these passages of scriptures, just some stories of Jesus. Can I tell you some Bible stories today? Is that okay? I'm going to share with you some Bible stories. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. Go to Matthew 15. We're going to look at verse 32. I love this. Just things that Jesus did that show us portions of God, that shows us the heart of God, the character of God, the ways of God, the Father side of God. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. Then Jesus called to his disciples and he told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. And so he tells them, go, what do we have? And then we have some bread. And Jesus takes that little bit of bread and he feeds 4,000 people with it. What I want you to see is the heart of Jesus here in verse 32 where he says, the people are hungry and I don't want to send them away hungry because they may faint. First of all, that sounds like my Italian mom, by the way. She's got to feed you. Feeding you is loving you. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Amen. When you went back for a second helping, then that was like the greatest praise that you could say in my home. But what I want to point out in this, like what are you showing me about God in this? So when you see a scripture like that, when you see a passage like that, Jesus had been healing the sick. Jesus had been delivering people, casting out their demons. But you know, we see here in Christ that he was also concerned with people's physical body. He was concerned that they were tired. He was concerned that they were hungry. He wanted to make sure he was taking care of not just their spiritual need, but he knows that you're a human being. That shows you something about God, amen? That God isn't just looking at you saying, hey, just pray forever and read your Bible all the time and neglect your body, neglect your, your, you know, your health, neglect yourself. No, God cares about the spirit side, but he also knows you're a human being in human form. Amen. And he wants to take care of it. Also, I love, the, I love it because it's not just that God's concerned about your physical human part, because God knows that you're human, but I think there's, a, there's a, like a hospitality side of God as well. So what is God like? Let's look at Jesus. Jesus wasn't just disregarding the human side of people. He's very aware of people's human side and their needs. So let's make sure that we meet people's spiritual need. Let's also make sure we take care of physical needs as well. That shows us something about the Father. Do you see how I drew the connection for you there? This is not just Jesus. This is the Father in Christ revealing the Father to us. And there's a hospitality in there. He, Jesus didn't just send them away and say, ah, then go find it themselves. But he wanted, he wanted to be able to take care of them. You know, to be an imitator of God like dear children, right? Because we're supposed to imitate our Heavenly Father like dear children, dear children. May we be hospitable too. You know, if we're going to imitate our Father who's in heaven, can we look at Jesus and how he interacted with human beings? 
How many times do people, you know, they, they, we, we're so spiritual, you know, we're like, we'll preach you, we'll preach you the word, we want to talk about God, but we're completely oblivious that this person needs something in the natural. Let's not ignore what they need in the natural, but let's also not just feed them and clothe them and forget to invest in them spiritually. God did both. Jesus did both. Amen? Let's go to another passage of Scripture, which I think is pretty powerful. It's in Luke chapter 13, verse 11 through 17. In this story, Christ sees a woman who's been bound with a spirit of infirmity, an older woman. She's like hunched over and crippled. And when he sees her, Luke chapter 13, verse 11 through 17, when he sees her, he says, this isn't right that this woman is bound by this infirmity, being that she's a daughter of Abraham or a child of the covenant. What does that reveal to me about the Father? This is Christ. But remember, Christ is revealing the Father. That means there's attacks that come into our life that are there. And just because they're there doesn't mean it's God's will that they're there. Come on. Sometimes when you go through an attack, we're like, well, you know. But Jesus was saying, this isn't right. This is my daughter. She's a covenant daughter. This spirit of infirmity is upon her, and I am here to deliver her from it. I'm here to set her free. I do not approve of this. She has promises. She has covenant with me. And you see the heart of God being ferocious for her and for her health and for her comfort. Not just, well, praise God, she's in church. Isn't that wonderful? but we'll just ignore the fact that she's sick. I want you to see the heart of God, the heart of the Father towards his daughter in what Jesus said here. Amen. And he said, bring her here. And he healed her right there on the spot. He says, this shouldn't be. She is my daughter. I wonder how many times we let things stick around in our lives thinking, oh, well, God, you know, God must be okay with this or, or whatever. And God is sitting here looking at that thing in our life saying, this shouldn't be. You're my son. You're my daughter. We need to push back on this. You have my covenant promise on this. I am not okay with this in your life. I'm not okay with this infirmity in your life. I'm not okay with this pain that's been ravaging your life. Amen. But I want you to see again the, the heart of the father towards his child here. Amen. So we can go to another scripture, Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. And here, there's a man with leprosy. Leprosy is a, is a disease that begins to eat away at the flesh of a human being. They have all kinds of sores on them. Now, historically, if you were a leper, because they didn't know how to protect people from getting it, they didn't have a way to stop it. They would put lepers in like a camp outside of the city, and lepers were not allowed near anyone without leprosy. They had, to, they had to leave their families because they didn't want to infect their families. They couldn't engage with other human beings in the city. You could, they couldn't touch anything because their sickness um, would make something unclean if they were to touch some, some, even things, even like pots and you know, clothes and anything, food or whatever. And in this moment, this leper comes to Jesus. And he says to him, if you will, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. And Jesus looks at him, and he touches him. 
And he speaks to him and he says, I will be clean. There's so much going on in that passage of scripture that shows stuff to us about God. One, the leper asked a question, if it's your will. See, the leper knew he had the power to heal him because he'd seen him healing others. What he didn't know is if he had the desire to heal him, the will to heal him. And how many times do we fall into that category? We know God's powerful, but the devil loves to get into our head and make us double-minded of whether or not it's his will to heal us. But yet he is the Lord, our healer. And I love that Jesus didn't just heal him, he answered the man's question. See, the man had a question in his head, if he wills, if he wills, and Jesus didn't just heal him, he said, let me answer your question because it's gonna be written in the book. And I answer it for you, but I answer it for all time, I will. Amen. Now it'll never be removed from the book. So if it's ever in your head, you can answer the question, I will be clean. The other thing I love about this passage of scripture is that Jesus touches him. He literally violates the protocol and he places his hand on the leper. He didn't have to do that. He realized he could have just spoke the word and healed him. But I think God, Jesus was revealing something about God that he bypasses our cultural protocols, Amen. our ceremonies and traditions, and our fears. And I think he also wanted us to see that he's not afraid of what, what is on us. He's not afraid that he's gonna get polluted. He knows the goodness on him is gonna far outweigh and push out the whatever's you're dealing with. Isn't that awesome? He's not worried that your uncleanness is gonna make him unclean. His goodness and his cleanness is gonna push out all that uncleanness. Isn't that wonderful? Your God is not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to withhold from you. He's not afraid of you. And he's not afraid of your mess. And he's not afraid of your sin. And he's not afraid of your leprosy. He's not afraid of it. He just knows if I can just put my hand on him. If they'll just let me touch them, I know how to remove that thing from their life. Again, this is Jesus, but this is the Father. This is Jesus, but this is the Father. Are you hearing this? God and Jesus. God, Jesus is revealing the Father. This is your Father. He is not afraid of your leprosy. He is not afraid of your sickness. He's not afraid of the pollution on your life. Lepr
thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.